0: Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed in the game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell. And is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no. Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with a gemologist known as a diamond surgeon, Carl Schwantes. Is that how you say it, Carl?
1: Yep, just like Qantas, but with an S-C-H sound.
0: A very good, Aussie, Carl Schwantes, not Qantas, is an award-winning designer who grew up playing at the workbenches of his parents' business, Xenox Diamonds. Creating and designing pieces of his own as early as 12, he would first study science, get a psych degree, as you do, and join the Australian Army, rising to the rank of captain, before finally taking over the family business and leading it into this next generation. As an internationally award-winning author of the book, Rock Her World, very clever title. He's become a social media craftsman who can weave a story in the written word or lead a keynote with his gentlemanly humor. As a passionate, committed philanthropist with four freaking kids, I can't wait to uncover what has this man of many talents rise up each morning in the service of other people's loving dream moments. So Carl, are you ready
1: for this? I'm so very, so excited. Let's get into it. I
0: feel like we should be... A song after I say that so I have, I have to admit that when I read about you because you're such a talented storyteller I've got this visual of you playing around the workbenches of your parents jewelry shop so tell me more about that like I I really want to know whether the way that you thought about diamonds growing up and is what you're doing now the dream you had for your life
1: oh, I don't think there's any way that I could have envisaged my life as it is now being a little 12 year old boy at home. Um, so no, it, it's, it's, it's gone beyond my wildest dreams. My earliest memory was, uh, as being a little boy, my, my most jewelers have a workshop at home as well as in, in the shop. And my it's, it's almost like if I close my eyes, I can smell the oils. I can see like my dad heating up a, a piece of metal and going like a cherry red. And then, you know, like quenching it into this water, like it's almost like knights of the round table, you know, as it sort of made that, that quenching noise. So I think um, my dad started me very early, like making some apprentice like exercises. I made my first little rings and stuff that he learned. He probably wouldn't have been that much older than, than I was. He, he left school at about the age of 15. And his dad said, yup, you know, the first thing we need to do is to get you into a trade and learn some skills. Um, but I think um, it may come as no surprise to you is that uh, I probably developed the gift of the gab probably more from my mum and uh, I remember I, I won like things like that, the, um, the uh, strawberry uh, festivals you know for public speaking and I was on the deba- debating teams and things like that so I think love of connecting with people and talking uh, combined with the love of diamonds and jewelry just kind of created a natural little um, niche or, or a spot for me that, you know, even as I was growing up and being 15, 16, I would come in and work in the shop on the weekends, you know, make the coffee for the jewelers. And, and I think, yeah, I think I really believe that it's, there's something valuable in starting at the mail room, you know, and working your way up rather than just being handed on a silver platter and going, here it is. Here's the, here's the keys to the, the Ferrari or the Cadillac, <laughs> whichever way you want to go. Mm. So, you know, that, that's how it really started for me.
0: Yeah. Good on you. You got to whip them into shape. The kids. Well, I have to, I don't know why I never thought of asking this before, but because I have a four-year-old and I picture you as a young kid, the value of diamonds, what, like, when do you start to understand its value? So I'm thinking about my daughter. We paint rocks, right? This is what we do. A A kid, do they know the difference between a rock and a rock? Okay. So what is that? Where do you start to really get that value and start to tell that story in a way that has meaning for people? And then it just lives in them until they have it on their finger.
1: You know, you said at the very beginning, kind of like being a diamond surgeon, you know, I guess I've spent the last 24 years now talking with diamond cutters, you know, importers, you know, I've traveled the world and bought, I couldn't even tell you how many diamonds now for clients Uh, I think at last count, it was probably about 6,800 couples that I've helped go through the process of getting engaged and married. And I think over that time, when you do something for as long as that, you start to see patterns. And I think I always had a very curious nature. Like I always wanted just to find out more. And, And I would look at a diamond and go, oh, I really love that, tell me why. And I'd love that, tell me why. And I think, you know, in the same way that your mechanic can listen to the engine and tell you what's wrong with it, or hopefully the computer guy, you know, knows what's wrong with your computer. When I look into a diamond, you know, it's it's a totally mesmerizing experience. And, and I'm looking for what the diamond cutter did right and what they could have done better. And it's having, you know, I see things that people will, will never see, uh, but it's, I could look at diamonds all day long. So uh, I think I landed in, in the right profession.
0: I'm obsessed with people Who are in mastery, and I'm hearing that from you this sense of you see things that other people can't see. Um, And I so want to delve into that. However, I'm aware that not everybody's as obsessed as about it as me, but I, I am curious about the bridge. Like, so how do you? I just picture some jewelers, right? Like you said, they have their own little home bench and they're like literally sitting, sleeping with their diamonds at night, but somehow you have this gift of the gab, this ability to kind of create a bridge i guess between those expertise and someone like me who might have a different reason for buying a diamond so how did like studying psychology you know becoming a captain in the army how did those things help you in your business savvy and your capacity to tell a story i think
1: it really comes down to a connection with people you know and i think at its at, at its deepest level what i love doing is really connecting with people so whether i'm talking to them and it's about me asking you about your daughter and you painting the rocks or, you know, what school she's in. It's just about talking to people. And I, I'm just genuinely uh, interested in, you know, finding out more. And and so I don't really consider it in so much as it's, it's kind of like this transition to selling because it's really just for me about helping you get whatever it is that you want. And it could be in the case of a diamond or it could be that you just want to get a, you um, you know, a little silver or a plastic necklace. The, the, it, what it is, is less important to me than the memories and the experience that it creates to, for you. You know, at some level, like I kind of think, and I don't even know whether this is the right word, but I consider myself an experientialist. You know, I love creating phenomenal experiences for clients. And that for me, you know, so you've been into the showroom, you know, one of the first things you see when you walk in, there's a scotch and champagne bar there you know, and and there's something really different and something remarkable happens when you create a phenomenal experience, like the lights just flick on and it, it's, you, you have this feeling that you've just been part of something special. Uh, and I'm, I'm getting goosebumps as I tell you about that, but it's, that's what, that's what really does it for me. Is It's about creating the amazing experiences and it could be, you know, like you, I've, I've traveled the world and I love, you know, seeing things and doing things that are, are just, you know, different and, and that it really kind of opens your eyes. And it's when I do that for somebody, the ultimate gift that I can give them is to give them something that they didn't think that they could ask for. Hmm. When you give somebody something that didn't think that they could ask for, that's that's when you see the magic happen in their eyes. And that's uh, that's the kind of the drug that I love to go back for each time.
0: Do you remember as a kid ever doing that? Do you remember your like some first moments where you you did that you gave people maybe it was your parents did you ever do little setups or do plays for them or did you see this kind of driving force when you were really little
1: i wish i had a a very interesting story that said yes but (laughs) i grew up in a very strict household like my my father you know grew up at the end of second world war in germany my mom was half greek half italian so you know we've really got like a european bitzer happening in our family and, you know, I, I think a lot, a lot was expected of us as kids, you know, like in the mornings I'd wake up early cause I'm a morning person, you know, like I'm like at five o'clock, the lights are on, I'm, I'm up. But at about nine thirty, the batteries, batteries die. But you know, one of the things that I would do in the morning is it was my job to get up, put the coffee machine on. So we have one of those percolators, you know, with the, um, you know, the, 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 um, the filter papers and put the coffee in put the bread rolls in the oven and I'd get everything set up. And I, and I think, I think at some level, where it came from was was this this ability just to, to, to serve, you know, to serve. And I, and I think I think that I always call it the butler test. You know, I, when I'm when I'm teaching my team how to look after our clients, I call it the butler the butler test. If you've ever had a British butler, it's like one of the most amazing things. And and it's amazing because of the way they make you feel. And it's amazing because you know there's nothing that they wouldn't do for you. You know, and it, you just feel like the most special person in the world, and that's, and I think for me it was that gift of serving others um, that just slowly evolved over time, and it started off with just serving, but then I thought, well, how can I take that to another level and serve more people uh, and be of service to to more people?
0: Yeah, cool. So I'm actually going to interview a butler on this show because we have a really good butler friend, and. I am also intrigued because it is, there's a mastery in that as well. He's a really interesting guy. So Daz, I'm coming for you. He knows. Um, So you talked about the Butler test. So tell me a little bit about stewardship and in your industry, how you are using some of these things to not only work with your team, but have your whole profession lifted.
1: So I think uh, we have so much to be grateful for in this world, really. Uh, you know, th- there's hardly a time in the past that you had more opportunity, uh, better health, uh, better living conditions than we, than we do today. And I think that if you're one of those people that consider yourself in the lucky category, then you have an obligation to give back. And it's something that I'm very passionate about is making an impact in the world that that extends beyond diamonds and jewelry as much as I love those and I, I you know I work six days a week because I love it, but something that extends beyond that in, in a legacy format, you know. So the two uh, the two charities I guess or causes that I'm most passionate about is the Dancing CEOs, which raise money for domestic violence against women, mm-hmm. and the Starlight Foundation, which is all about granting Starlight wishes for children that are you know, not having a great time of it at the moment. So, you know, I guess women and children for me is, is something that I feel very pas- passionate about supporting. So like every engagement ring that we sell, we make a donation to the Starlight Foundation. And last year we managed to contribute seven Starlight Wishes, which is about, uh, probably about $60,000 to the Starlight Foundation. Good. And for the domestic violence, I think we raised about $20,000 for them. Uh, and it's just something that I, it's not about, sometimes people ask me, like, oh, what's the return on investment? And I really don't look at it that way. For me, it's, it's it, I think if you're giving, uh, that's the, that's the pure reason that you do it. You do it because it touches your soul. Uh, and it's something that m- makes you feel good when when you do it. And that's the reason that we ultimately do it.
0: Yeah. I'm getting the, the, the service minded. Uh, you know what? I knew that about you. You just, we met under that, that kind of demeanor, you just have that in you and it's really beautiful. And so when, you, when we think about even what we see behind you, five-star Google service, um, you know, those of you who are watching on YouTube, um, I encourage you to, because you'll see this wonderful diamond gemologist face right in front of uh, all these cool backdrops we now know how to do with Zoom. But um, I want to talk about social media, SEO, marketing, all that kind of stuff. So how do you take that authenticity and really weave it into a brand that people actually get, like they actually can feel you. How do you do that?
1: Hmm. I, I think you, I think you hit it on the head that you have to be authentic. You have to be you. And if if who you are is what connects and resonates with people, then that's, that's what they're going to feel connected to. And I think, um, you know, whether it's helping other business owners get their online reputation sorted with Google reviews, uh, it's that, I I have a genuine um, feeling or desire to see you be the the most successful version of yourself that you can be Uh, because I've been there, you know, I've been in the trenches. I I know what it's like when, you know, you don't know where the next client's coming from. Mm. Um, You're, you know, you're looking after a team of people and you you feel a sense of obligation to them to make sure that they're provided for. Uh, So I totally get what that's like. And if I could make, even just one business owner's life a little less stressful and, and help them, you know, leverage their business. Cause he put so much time and effort and money into making this thing called a business, you know, profitable and, and work for our family. You know, if there was a way that I could just show you a few tweaks on, in the way that you conduct your service uh, and the way that you asked for Google reviews. And that meant that you got more clients and, and you were able to look after your family even better then then I think that I have an obligation to help them and share, I guess what I spent the last however many years learning so that you don't have to, you can avoid all the mistakes that I made and just go, well, here, here is the path. I've, I've walked along it and, and I'm, I'm more than happy to share that with you so that you can get the same results.
0: So what's one of the secrets to it? Because this is what I hear now. Cause I hear the word authentic a lot. Now I've been around you. I feel you. That's just, I can't even, there's, what's the word for that? That's just what I feel. And the difference between someone who's trying to be authentic and then people know that their ratings are important they know these things so what's the secret to actually having it work for you
1: i think you have to raise your standards mm. i think uh, i'm always expecting more of me than anyone else can mm. uh, it's that constant and never-ending improvement i'm always looking to say how can I be better, you know, even if I have the most amazing sale and, I, and, I've, and I've done the very best I can, I always look and say, you know, where, where can I improve? Where, how can I make that even better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't work for me because sometimes I'm overly critical of mm-hmm. myself uh, and sometimes I have to balance that out. But I'm always saying, well, how can I make it even better? How can I do better, be better? And, you know, I've spent, you know, over a million dollars in personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that, I sometimes call it—I don't know—it's called like the butterfly effect or, or, or the ripple effect. You know, if I look at where I am now, like we're we're chatting here now, and I go, "Well, how how did we get here? Like, what ha- what had what had to happen for that to for, the, for that to be possible? Well, we had to meet here, and then how did that happen? Well, that happened because I met this person, and how did that happen? Well, I, I, that came because I met this person, and I honestly believe that that the the solution or the the way to have a truly remarkable life is to constantly put yourself out there in the universe. Hmm. Because if, you, if you're doing that, then I've got to think that good things are going to come your way. Uh, and if I just sort of sat at home and stayed in my little comfort bubble, uh, nothing, you know, I can't imagine that I would have, I would be anywhere near where I am today. So I'm always looking to push myself outside of the comfort bubble, even though that's the that's safe place to be. Uh, and I'm always asking more of myself and how I can do better, be better, give more um, to make the world a better place.
0: I love that, that thought. I, I started to actually, as you said, let's track what brought us together and I started to track the course that we did together yep. and then our relationship with Rill. and like there's a really amazing story as you begin to just even track that. And then you said something really interesting because this podcast is called In The Game. And being in the game is really about being out there in life for things to actually happen and game. Ironically, yes, I come from an athlete background, but it wasn't crafted from an athlete space. It was actually this notion that a lot of us spend time watching life happen by the, from the sidelines. And you said, staying in your house, yep. you know, and even as you listen to this podcast, it's sort of like, do you just listen to it while you walk? Are you just sort of like um, a voyeur of life or do you actually take some of the things that you learn or that you, you hear today from Carl and do you say, you know what, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. So something about, can I make it better? That was Nat's mantra or mantra. I don't know if I'm Aussie or Canadian anymore, but whatever that, and she used to say that all the time. And I'm, (laughs) I wasn't planning on asking you this, but it can make her, be very challenging sometimes in relationships. So how are you? I want to know about you with your wife and you with your four kids. What do you like? Because you have that sort of thing in your head that's like, how can I make it better? How can I make it better?
1: Yeah, yeah it does drive my wife nuts. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the spontaneous person. And, you know, they say opposites attract. I'm like, I'm like the, the spontaneous person, like I'll come home and say, let's pack the bags and just go for a drive. And she'll be like, I, I needed 24 hours notice to kind of process, plan, you know, what's gonna happen with the kids, what we're we gonna do for lunches or whatever. And so, you know, I think over time, like, you know, I've been with my wife now for over 22 years and it's like, I think probably only in the last couple of years it started to really penny drop, is that I have to, if I wanna get the kind of result that I ideally like, I have to give a message in the way that I would want her to receive it. You know, so if I know that she needs a couple of days, you know, processing time, I need to be better disciplined and more organized in my thought process and not the kind of the spontaneous, hey, let's, let's go off and do this. Uh, and it's just a matter of meeting, yeah, the balancing act of, of the two. So I think that's one of the, the great things about being in a committed relationship is that you have the opportunity to mess it up and try again over and over again
0: yeah, until and,
1: you get it right.
0: <laughs> and way to be willing to see that, like you said, that opposite, that you're opposites. And then how do you think that she lifts, lifts you, lifts you up in terms of what you do in the world and the impact you want to make?
1: I think, you know, one of the things that always stood out to me with my wife is that um, from the very first moment that I met her, I could see her as being the mother of our kids because she has that, that real motherly kind of you know essence about her and uh, and that's what she is for our kids so you know she's the one that kind of holds the fort down she's uh, she's an educator by heart um, she's actually studying a PhD at the moment um, so she's there to help the kids with all of their homework and 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 the, the role that I play is is somewhat different you know from a, I guess the business and and looking after that side of things but the two of them, you know, although we're kind of opposites, it's kind of like two, two parts of a puzzle and we kind of fit together in the middle. So, you know, sometimes I don't know, you can't always look at it and go, why does it work? And go, I don't know. It just does.
0: Yeah. You know, we were talking about the games that I create, not the dirty kind for couples Remember that yes. um, that was before the record button guys. So maybe I just need to press it a bit earlier cause it's a bit saucy, but this is it. Like I literally created this game for couples to do puzzles together because it is so interesting how two different kinds of approaches can actually build something and you've obviously built a beautiful family and I just I do want to take a second to just acknowledge you for that commitment to to your relationship actually because I think these days we kind of just like brush over that oh yeah anyways let's get back to five-star google reviews but ultimately you know you're the result of all of that so i just wanted to and
1: I, and I think it's important for people to realize there's no such thing as a perfect marriage it just it just doesn't you know you have your highs you have your lows but i, I think underneath everything is a desire to kind of you know be there for the long haul and we, we kind of talk about it sometimes we kind of go you know we almost play the grandparent thing oh look we can't wait to be grandparents you know when our kids have kids and 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 then doing all of the fun stuff uh but you know i i've got i've got three 14 year olds and a 15 year old at home now do you think that oh, there are some
0: triplets right You're... Are triplets. Oh, I forgot that.
1: so triplet triplet 14 year olds and a 15 year olds we, we actually had four kids under two and if you can get through that you can pretty much almost get through <laughs> anything but you know you got to believe it three 14 year olds and a 15 year old there is a whole heap of hormones that are running around at the moment you know so um, it you know like i said it, it's the ability to kind of do it mess it up Uh, and then start again the next day.
0: Dude, why didn't we start talking about that? That's what we needed to freaking open this with. Uh, Oh wow, I forgot. I did know that in the back of the arsenal of my mind, that in itself, that is actually incredible. And I was curious, do the kids take any interest in what you do? Like, are they at the workbench? Do they try? Are they into it?
1: You know what? It's a, it's, it's a little bit, but not quite, uh, not not the same way that, that I did. Um, my kids are all, my wife's a museo as well. So she plays the piano. She's a beautiful pianist. And the kids kind of, like, she was teaching the kids music from the age of three. Yeah. So my oldest son now, who's 15, He's doing his level eight piano. He plays percussion, so he does drums, you know, timpani, xylophone. He just won an organ scholarship and he's teaching himself the guitar. Uh, you know, they're all just incredibly musical. Next one down plays the violin, next one's the trumpet, next one's the clarinet. So they're like, our house sounds like an orchestra uh, most of the time. Uh, so that's, that's, I think that's one of their passions. Although my, my oldest son, I've been, he's been coming in a bit and doing things like video editing. So we'll shoot some videos. And he'll do some video editing. So I think that's more, it's it's hard to say. Like, I mean, I don't know at 15, I knew, ah, this is where I'm going to be. So it's hard to look at a 15 or a 14 year old and go, you know, is this going to be your life's mission? Is this what you're going to be doing, you know, for the rest of your life? I don't know. But uh, I'm trying to keep them as interested as possible. But ultimately you want them to do it because they love it, you know? And and I don't think any child should ever be forced to enter the family business if they don't have a, a passion or a love for it.
0: Absolutely. And I I have just that visual of the orchestra. Who's the
1: conductor? Well, my wife's the one who always goes, ah, wrong note. (laughs) Yeah, so she's the, she's the the one who hears it all. And uh, I mean, it's like having a a personal music tutor at home, you know, 24 seven, so they can't get away with anything.
0: That's hilarious. Well, I I wasn't sure I was going to ask about this and you can please feel free to correct my layman knowledge. But the minute I hear diamonds, I think blood diamonds because I saw that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, right? So educate us all on, did that movie expose things to the wider community around the diamond industry? Has the industry shifted at all to respond to it? Or are you just gonna out it? Are we just as screwed up as we always were?
1: Well, you know, Hollywood's famous for uh, running factual documentaries, right? (laughs) Clearly, no. I
0: bought in. Hook, line, and sinker. Okay,
1: yeah. So you know, is it possible that Hollywood may have over dramatized and enhanced certain aspects of the story? Absolutely. But you know, was there was there a shred of truth? Sure. Um, but you know, that was really that's quite some time ago now. For, for as much as recent memory, the Kimberley Process, which is the process that restricts the sale of diamonds that are used to fund civil wars, uh, has been in effect. So the, the the opportunity for you to get a blood diamond these days would be so uh, so difficult, you know. So the the industry really I think woke up to all of that and has put such strict measures in place to ensure that that doesn't happen. So I think every client out there that's buying a diamond today, by all means, ask does it come with the you know Kimberley Process certificate. Um, but but these days every single diamond that we come that we sell comes with that as being certified that it's conflict free. You know, you'd almost have to go off the beaten track to find one that that was a conflict diamond. It's It would be actually almost impossible to find.
0: God. So tell me that thing you described to me. There's that other there's a new kind of diamond. Remember that like
1: the the creative diamonds?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. That's cool.
1: Hi, oh, it's like, you know, if you're old, if you're listening to this and you're old enough to remember the Jetsons cartoon, you know, like. I, I remember they had, you know, meat George, they had this box in, in the house that kind of made everything, you know, like it made your lunch, made your clothes and whatever you wanted. It isn't funny how things like fiction can sometimes turn into reality. I mean, we're moving into a world at the moment where they're talking about being able to 3D print meat or, you know, 3D print straight to metal, you know, so like you could build things out of metal just with a, a 3D printer. Uh, you know, the, the, the future for, for yours and my kids is going to be an exciting and amazing one to live in. And, you know, this is just another iteration of that technology shift. I mean, they've been able to replicate, you know, how diamonds were created under the ground a billion years ago. They've now recreated that above the ground. You know, they're identical, physical, chemical, molecular and optical properties, exactly the same. So it's imagine, imagine, Sarah, you were made through IVF and i was made through the good old-fashioned way
0: yeah
1: we don't look at you as a synthetic human you just had a different start and that's 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 all it is
0: see how he can explain it so you my my jordan ivf jordan we tell her little story like you said and let's say her beginnings your kids you'd never know my daughter's a giant yours are times three yours look more like they were made (laughs) sorry i said that um Okay, so what you're saying is they create the environment that a diamond was created yep. in nature, yep. and everything else. And can you? How do you tell the difference? You can't.
1: No, I've, I've I've actually done the blind test where they put in front of me ten stones and they said, can you separate the mind ones from the created? And I went through and I went, these ones are mine. these ones are created, and then at the end they went, actually no, they're all created. The oh. thing is, the thing is, because they're just replicating what happens below the ground. Uh, they have natural inclusions. They have variations in color. So they, they're, they're no different. They're, they're exactly the same.
0: Whoa, that's wild. That is.
1: And they're about 40% less. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you'll get you'll get a 40% bigger diamond for the same money. So if that's appealing, which it is probably to most of the clients I speak to, uh, then it's, it's, that. but you know what? At the end of the day, it's just an option. There are some clients that love the idea or the story behind a diamond that was made a billion years ago. Mm -hmm. And there are some that just want the bigger size, you know, it's really, and again, we don't ever pitch one at the expense of another. It's just about what is right for you, you know, because it doesn't matter what I think or what you think. It's just Mm -hmm. the person who's wearing it. That's the person who has to love uh, what they've got, you know, but I don't, whether it was, it was created or mined, I mean, all diamonds are created. One's just created by earth and one's just created in the lab. But, you know, whether it's whether it was a created or, a, or a, um, a mined diamond, for me, doesn't take away anything from the symbolism of what it represents. Yeah. You know, like I, when I talk to the brides after they've been proposed and I always love to hear the stories and it's like, you know, the girl doesn't say, oh, it was so amazing. He got down and proposed with a triple excellent Russian mined, you know, FSI diamond no, all she says is, you know, like it was romantic. He, they said this, or they did that, or, you know, my partner knew exactly the way I wanted it. Like it's, that's the experience that, that they talk about, not about the rocks particulars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which makes you so interesting. I think around, you love the experience, but you also have married it to this thing that you're, a master with, you know, a math, a master craftsman. And so I think that's really interesting, actually, how you have those things we, woven together.
1: I think they're both really important.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny, because as you start talking, I'm thinking to myself, why is it that I never grew up with any knowledge of diamonds? <laughs> so right. why, I, I, and I'm just, like, noticing these two parallel lives, you know, and your kids, like, they're so into music, and I was into sport, and yeah, so it's all really interesting, the things that we're exposed to early. And in this podcast, that's what I love doing is being able to almost take, you mentioned your parents at the beginning and some of their, um, what was important to them and how that shaped you. And yet I do believe that the core of who we are shines through no matter what. It's like, doesn't matter if they try to stifle it, like who you were, I truly believe was evident, had evidence of that early days i love just hearing hearing those stories so thank you so much for sharing yourself there is somebody out there listening right now and going "Uh uh-huh i can do that with my craft i do think there's something to that how you have as an entrepreneur i really appreciate how you um i don't even know if you can say this but how you make social media demonstrate the heart of who you are i think that's a real gift and talent. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that.
0: We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching in the game podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live
1: video chats.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on five stars five stars five stars and then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny maybe a bit serious so if you want to recommend this to someone you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review thanks